Phenomenal yeah. suggestion. Also, the name's fun to say. Whale snail. Whale snail. Whale snail. Yes. Oh, yeah, we were talking about we should, uh, new trait of your world, all the beasts and everything like that. Just act like Pokemon saying their name. Oh, yeah. Such a great idea. Yeah. Flail snail. Flail snail. Just going along for hours. Yeah. Flail snail. Bam. Flail snail. Flail snail. Like an alarm. Like a car alarm, basically. Just yelling flail snail. What could that be? I think it's a flail snail. Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass, your Dungeons and Dragons fix. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Bornable. And I'm Will Milton. And we'll be hanging out with you for a while to talk about anything and everything D&D related. This week we're taking a look at the Fighter Warlock Multiclass, and then later on the Flail Snail from Volo's Guide to Monsters. So pull up your chair and stick around for a while. All right, so this week we are taking a look at the Fighter Warlock Multiclass. The fighter is the stereotypical melee class in D&D. They are usually a highly trained soldier of some sort or just a farm kid who is given a sword and they turn into a fighter because nobody really pays attention to how you become a fighter. It's unimportant. Uh, And their requirements to multi-class into are strength 13 or dex. So you get some, some leeway there. Then the other one is the Warlock. Will, it's been a while since we've had a Warlock. Do you want to just describe what a Warlock is to you? Uh, yeah, they're the easily the best class in D&D. They're the most interesting, unique, fun to play. Flavor's perfect, basically. <laughs> Requirements to multi-class into a Warlock are 13 Charisma. Uh, generally, they are, they are a weird kind of caster where they don't follow the same uh, spell progression as any of the other full casters, but they are, in Will's opinion, the only real full caster in 5e. There's going to be a lot of Will likes Warlock jokes today, so I, I apologize. They usually uh, commit to a specific patron, otherworldly being who gives them their powers, uh, and from that they get Eldritch Blast, the best cantrip in the game, hands down. Let's see how these two uh, mesh together. Kevin, no, actually I'm going to give it to Will first thoughts because I asked you last week or two weeks ago. Doesn't matter. Well, this is this is this is kind of an easy one. We've got my favorite class, the best class in the game, the Warlock. And the single, like the universal multi-class choice, it's actually, I will, I'll say this, it is a little bit outmoded because the Hexblade's out. Uh, this was how I made a Hexblade. This is how you made a Hexblade before the Hexblade was released. So there is that to keep in mind. But this is still, it's still got potential. Kevin? Yeah, there's a ton you could do with it. And I would say actually Hexblade where... It's the type of thing where it seems like, all right, that sort of just takes care of this multi-class. Actually, multi-classing with a fighter has a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, well. I think that's uh, that's about what I came to as well. Um, and even looking away from the Hexblade hex specifically, I still feel like there's at least going to be something in here that we can get. Uh, I, I really tried hard when, when studying for this was uh, like, is there a way that Hexblade and Fighter doesn't work well together? Because I was just really hoping that that wasn't like... Because that's such an obvious choice. Right. Fighter and Hexblade, you know, you're going to have a good time, right? It's like, maybe there's some reason why it just sucks. Like, they they step on each other. Maybe you're not getting nearly as much as you should because Hexblade gives you something. No, it's just, honestly, a really good mix. Well, I mean, the counterpoint is there is a small uh, beginning overlap. You know, you get 
armor and weapon proficiency with yeah, the hex blade. Very slight. But that's not it. You know, there's still more there. You're not losing an entire feature. You know? Right. So you're, right. The fact that you can now focus on a single stat, charisma, and come out on top in almost every way. Right. Is yeah, great. and that's still, I mean, well, you'll still want dexterity for your AC, and dex is just a good thing to have, or which you can, you can now focus on, and then con as well. So, like, focus on charisma, dex, and con, dumb strength, intelligence, middle of the road, wisdom, really solid stat, right? Right, and there's no reason that you can't, um, it's a weird way of putting it, but dump dex to some extent. If you want to be a strength one, go for it. There's nothing holding you back. If you start as a fighter, you get yeah. proficiency in heavy armor, right, and then you can true. be a heavy armor hexblade warlock. And that that's was true. Yeah. that was actually the uh, the formula for creating a hexblade before hexblade was you take one level on fighter, uh, rest and warlock. If you want to mix it up, you can, and then you were a just magic tank, yeah, know, with a magic weapon. It was pretty dope. Yeah, using the pack pack of the blade, pack to boon. Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, warlocks are always tough to talk about multiclassing because there's so much variety. First, they have their patron. And that's our the Archfey, the Fiend, the Great Old One, the Hexblade, and all that. And then each patron, regardless of which they choose at one point, I think level three or something like that, yeah. chooses their packed boon. And then there's three additional choices of the book, the Fiend, or the Blade, basically. Or yeah. the Familiar, not the Fiend. Yeah. So it's you have a bunch of combinations. And then on top of it, the invocations. Some invocations are minor and just kind of like a neat, flavorful thing they could get. Like they don't need to sleep anymore. And then there's other ones, though, where it could really change how they play the game. And so it, it's always like feel I always get a little like stressed out planning a warlock multi-class because there's just so much to consider. Right, right. Like just setting up the uh, the patron that you choose isn't as, uh, I guess, telling of what your class is going to be as much as like saying oh i'm playing a ranger and i want to play the monster slayer okay you've got a specific play style and it's basically handed to you right uh, or is the warlock with the invocations you are just getting so much variety to tweak your class the way that you want to play it uh, i mean there's nothing that's stopping you from playing a hexblade who goes with the pact of the chain and now you've got a familiar who can cast your spells for you and do some other stuff maybe the pact of the blade is going to be a little bit more powerful and lets you get some invocations that are specifically good for your build you know plus one to your weapon that you don't have to go and find a magic weapon for right um, and some other things down the line but you still have that option and right the spell one same deal i mean it's it's it is an overwhelming one to try and talk about with multi-class right there's a ton of options yeah and even like the patron so like hexblade's pretty much pigeonholes you as being a martial type right. warlock right but like fiend archfey great old one that could kind of go either way of being casters or martial or a mix like dark one's blessing the fiends first thing at level one is like if you reduce across hostile creature to zero hit points you gain temporary hit points equal to your charisma modifier plus your warlock level it doesn't matter how you reduce them hitting them with a sword uh ranged attack a spell whatever yeah and i, I think um what even adds this more is again I'm just going to keep saying Hexblade is kind of the obvious one. I don't think there's anything restricting you from going into the other options. And heck, even one thing that I think is just going to be a really big one that I was thinking about was if you start as Eldritch Knight and you get up to like 11th level in there and then you take one dip into Warlock, you're now getting their ability to make 
I believe you can cast a cantrip, which at 11th level, you're going to get three Three. Eldritch Blasts. Right. And then as a bonus action, you can make a melee attack. Just a weapon attack. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. Just a longbow or whatever. It's fantastic. Right. That's great. I I have that in my notes. Well, so, I mean, that's just like, that's a little one where it's like just a small dip into Warlock gives you so much in this combination that... (laughs) I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the, actually, like, yeah, I feel like I'm spinning my tires here because it's just so easy. Like, I, the only thing that doesn't work particularly well is an Eldritch Blast spammer ranged fighter. But you just described, like, a way that that kind of can work. Yeah. it Even the worst option here isn't a bad option. It's right. Right. Like, you're still ridiculous. getting, you know, again... That'd be 12th level with 11 in Fighter, 1 in Warlock. You're getting three Eldritch Blasts. Well, actually, it doesn't even have to be that high. No. So you get Sorry. War Magic where you can do the cantrip and then and for it. bonus action do an attack at 7th. 7th level, right. Yeah. So that would be two Eldritch Blasts. which And then, yeah, so eight levels total for the one dip in Warlock. On your turn, you can do two Eldritch Blasts and then the weapon bonus, attack. Yeah, weapon attack. And that's great. You're basically giving yourself... Three attacks earlier. Right. And, you know, you go a little bit higher. You put that that agonizing blast in. I was going to say go one level more. Go to two in Warlock. Get agonizing blasts. Now and you're adding your each charisma one has charisma. And or the one that pushes them ten feet back. Yeah. yeah. So that's actually where I was thinking the other way around. Why not both? Or <laughs> Why if not? you get two? If you, so you can only use it once per turn. Uh, if you if you are using the the pushing agonizing blast or whatever that was is I'm sorry whatever the invocation is that pushes it's once per turn you can't push on every eldritch blast they they did change that yeah. oh, okay that so that, that's that's fine. that's fine but think about it again from that eldritch night where you use your eldritch blast to start there's the other one that pulls ten feet closer. So you hit them, um, you pull them 10 feet closer uh, on the second one, maybe. Right. Uh, and then you smack them with your with your weapon attack. Right. So maybe you don't want to use the bow. That's really cool. Right. I really like the idea of that. Just like, boom, boom, two Eldritch Blasts go out. The second one just rips them forward and then just pull down with your blade slashing across them. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And you can have <laughs> your movement between those two just yeah. for the me- more mechanical versatility. Very you true. could do that, pull them 10 feet close, and then now within 30 feet, then you'd run up and smack them with your bonus action. And that could also, since it's just one level dip or two level dips, mm-hmm. you're going to have your patron, so your Hexblade, and you just focus on the charisma, and you could put, um, is Hexblade's curse right away at level one? Hexblade's curse is at level one, yes. Yeah. Throw that on them. I mean, that's a once per long rest thing, but, or short rest. I can never remember rests. That one's weird, because uh, that one is a shorter long rest. Um, that's okay once for short pretty you can pretty safely assume everything short rest yeah the the other short short which is why once again a fighter pairs so well is because everything they get is short rest yeah action surge and second wind yeah Uh, i think yeah battle masters get all the maneuver dice back right yep (sighs) (laighs) yeah so i mean i'm I'm talking right now hexblade battle master it's so many options yeah packed of the blade yeah yeah I like it. <laughs> it's exactly as Will said. Like you're just kind of spinning our tires because it's like you just say something. It's like, wow, that sounds really good. And it's like, is there more to elaborate on that? No, it just sounds so good. Like that's a great combo. I love that. Um, Battle Master is good. This is the only one. Funny enough, Champion terrible pick. If you went Hexblade, yeah, because that first thing is you get crits on 19 or 20. The only time you really care about that 
you've got your Hexblade's curse. Right. And I'll just throw that in there. Yeah. Um, but it, it almost makes Hexblade's curse less good. Yeah, I would not <laughs> so roll good. champion. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, that's the one of the, I like the champion uh, as a subclass, but right. it's not good. No. Like I, I'm fully aware of that. I just like its simplicity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's totally fair. Did they get rid of the brute? They did. They the UA the... listed. Yeah, it's not on there anymore. It's not psychic, psychic warrior and rune knight. But fuck again, rune we don't we don't we talk don't do about UA. UA. No, I was hoping the brute was going to become a real thing. Though, man. Uh, <laughs> it's like six. Well, years just because it's been removed on D and D Beyond doesn't mean that it won't be. I mean, keep, keep in mind it's not official. It's they just have a license with mm-hmm. Wizards of the Coast. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I think uh, any of the fighter subclasses, as long as you start as a fighter, you can basically do this however you want role playing wise too. Uh, oh yeah, which is which is really nice. I mean, it, it's a little bit weird if you're a warlock and then try and go into fighter. And I don't see that. It's, it's not that it doesn't work. It's it, a little weird, but yeah, yeah you would need it for to really sell it role play wise you would kind of need some downtime and training montages basically right right i mean you don't have to do that mechanically you could just all of a sudden in the middle of the dungeon now have you know action surge or whatever but it's oh, yeah it's action surge too. Or second wind and fighting style yeah action yeah. surge is too yeah yeah second level to get action surge also really good yeah of course it's action surge. i know i even know like I even know. if you're really like a spell classing spell casting warlock action surge and second wind are still good hell even fighting style you just boost your ac by one I why mean, not yeah but i mean you can still do dueling or i'm sorry uh yeah is that the one where you get plus two to all of your weapon attacks as long as you only have a one-handed weapon yeah, which with that weapon, plus two damage with the weapon. Right. So, like, right. I mean, if you're spellcaster, you know, Elgin's Blast Faucet or whatever, right. it's not gonna, right. You know. Yeah, and I think um, I, I don't to, to go back to this because I keep going to the the Eldritch Blast Faucet with uh, Eldritch Knight, but it doesn't need to be. It really right. doesn't. You no. can just stay the course of fighter, go a little bit into warlock, and then you've got some cool versatility. Yeah. You've got your Eldritch Blast when you need it because that is going to be good. Uh, you can get some nice spells for the warlock because i mean they don't get a ton but getting spells back on a short Short rest rest, yeah two first level slots every first slot right i mean and you could use your eldritch knight spells in the warlock using the warlock slots oh okay which is nice yeah yeah, i always have to reread how packed magic interacts with multi-class whenever it comes up yeah another Mm -hmm. reason why it's complicated but yeah you could you know it doesn't really differentiate this is a warlock this is a whatever spell it's the spell slots are the spell slots right yeah, so I mean, again, you know, you're you're getting just some spells. If you don't want to go into that into that Eldritch Knight pigeonhole of just being a spell casting fighter, you know, you stay the course with Battlemaster, and then you get some u- nice utility spells out, out of Warlock, right? And it just come back. I mean, maybe even if you're just keeping it low, you know, you're getting some shields. Great, love it. Right. Love shield. You're getting some flavor because now you've made a pact with some otherworldly being that you have to dedicate your life to uh so that's great man what right. have, i wonder what happens if you don't dedicate your life to a uh, your patron what find out it? last episode <laughs> <laughs> when we talk about the death lock yeah and yeah two levels then you get two invocations and then yeah if you manage if you go three then you get the packed boon so mm-hmm. you like packed the blade which is of course going to be good with a fighter right or yeah for more versatility take the book of shadows or I, i'm drawing a blank on the name where you can um Get some additional 
spells known. Uh, I think you get ritual casting with that or get a really kick-ass familiar. Yeah. Which are, again, always nice. Um, yeah, just a hardier familiar. And then you could kind of give yourself advantage by in combat having these hardier familiars giving you the help action and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it's it, that one's kind of a little bit on the weaker side, but it's still a very strong choice. And I think it's also a very flavorful choice. Right. I say right. We, we say that it's weaker, but in the sense of like, hey, this is already really good. So, yes, in comparison to going into a full-on Eldritch Knight Hexblade mix, yeah, it's a little bit weaker, but compared to, uh, I don't know, just to think of one that happened recently, a Ranger Sorcerer, which would you pick? <laughs> would you rather a Battlemaster Fighter with Pact of the Chain or a Ranger Sorcerer any mix at all? I want a closet that could turn into centipedes and bats. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, they also, uh, one thing to note, like why I played this so long ago, but the uh, they can like turn invisible and shit like that. So you can have like a flying familiar, you have a crazy connection with who's invisible. That's crazy powerful for exploration. It's actually oh, yeah, yeah. broken. In the D- the dungeon master has to make sure that you don't fuck things up with it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Be prepared for them to see anything, you know, hundreds of feet ahead. It's just going to happen. Right. And then there's the kind of combination as old as 5e Devil Sight. So you could you know, get Darkness as a Warlock and Devil Sight so you could see in it. And then you're also a fighter, so you're really good and with martial and melee attacks and getting yourself advantage on all that. And and you can even, as an Eldritch Knight, you can get you can get Darkness as well. So all oh, Eldritch Knight can get Darkness? Yeah. Okay. So all that you really that. need is to get the Eldritch Invocation of Devil Sight, which I don't think has a level requirement. Nope. So nope. You, can, you can take it at two. Yeah, so it, once you get that at level two, now your Eldritch Knight can cast Darkness at level seven. Yeah, at seven. Uh, so it's oh. it's kind of high up there. Right. But still, you can get it. Right. Uh, and, and that's... There you go. Good. That's just great. <laughs> right. Um. Okay. I really, I really want to get off Eldritch Knight. I feel like that's just like... There's, there's other combinations. There's other stuff. There's other stuff. Yeah, they're all fine. They're yeah. all fine. <laughs> Arcane um, Archer feels like it'd be a little. It wouldn't be uh, bad. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. I actually, I don't. Yeah, see any... just don't go Hexblade. Right. right. Or well, well, wait, should... isn't there an invocation where you can make your packed weapon a longbow, it... and then the Hexblades? weapon can be the packed weapon regardless of the type yes something weird like that that is correct once yes. you improve take... pack weapon which is the making your packed weapon plus one magical it gives you short bow longbow and both crossbows right okay and then the hex blade i do know yeah it says yeah you have your hex blades weapon and it has to be like one-handed melee mm-hmm. or the packed weapon yep so there you go okay make that a longbow and then you can use your charisma for all that so you don't have to so you could just focus on that right. as an Arcane Archer. See, I don't, I've talked about Arcane Archer a whole bunch, probably outside of this podcast. I don't love it in a, like, in, in staying the course. I don't think that it's the most amazing fighter subclass. I do think that it's a very interesting one to dip only three into, or maybe even five, if you're trying to get extra attack, which I don't think does hexblade get yeah it's an attack? invocation okay so if you're going hexblade then that's not a problem um yeah, but or, least, well i could free up an invocation pick though that's true he said yeah that's that's true so regardless of how you want to play it there are some of these uh uh what are they called the arcane shots mm-hmm. that are just universally good 
that aren't going to rely on your save too much, uh, one of which is Grasping Arrow that I absolutely love. Uh, so you decide to do it when it hits, which I always love those, uh, right. and when it hits, the creature hit by the arrow takes an extra 2d6 poison damage, and its speed is reduced by 10, and it takes 2d6 slashing damage the first time on each of its turns it moves a foot at all without teleporting. They can get rid of this uh, against your save DC or strength save versus your save DC, but it takes them an entire action. So once you hit with this grasping arrow, that thing is taking damage. If they move, they're taking damage. And if they don't want to take damage and they want to move, they have to use an entire action to get rid of it. And they might fail even if your save is low. And in this type of build, it's probably going to be pretty low because I think it relies on wisdom and that's making this a little mad, but still not outside the realm of possibility compared to, right. once again, any of the, the three uh, multi-class requirements that we've talked about. Ranger Sorcerer was recent, so I'll bring that up again, where that required dex, wisdom, and charisma. That's requiring the same thing. So you've still got like something. The possibility is there at the very least. Right. You're never going to get wisdom to 20 to make that save really hard, but it's there. Oh, it's actually intelligence. Hmm. But that's the same idea. Right. Wisdom, intelligence, it doesn't matter. Uh, so Grasping Arrow, I, I absolutely love. Uh, I think the other one is like, I think Seeking Arrow, where it basically just turns a miss into a hit. Uh, but I'd have to read all of no, that. No, you just don't make an attack roll. You still make an attack roll at all? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Said choose one creature you've seen in the past minute. The arrow flies towards that creature, moving around corners if necessary, ignoring cover. If the target is within the weapon's range and there is a path large enough for the arrow to travel to it, they must make a deck saving throw. And they take some damage. Okay, that's not the one. One of these is really good. I think I'd just use <laughs> Grasping Arrow, if I'm being honest. Piercing <laughs> Arrow lets you shoot through stuff, which is cool. Or through yeah. like a group, a line of people. Right. Um, and none of this is going to be restricted by whatever you're getting from uh, Hexblade and... Any of that. I mean, you still are making an attack. These are all things that are added on top of your normal attack. Right. So I think Arcane Archer could actually work pretty well, but not as a, you know, go 17 into Arcane Archer and then three in the Warlock. That'd be a little boring. Yeah. Mainly Warlock, three into Arcane Archer. Get some good stuff along the way. Yeah. Or like if you're mainly Hexblade, a three level dip up to Battlemaster. Mm -hmm. It's really great. I mean, so Hexblade, and then you get a fighting style, you get section second win, you get an action, action surge, and then you get maneuvers. And if you started as fighter, just kind of plan it out a little bit, you get heavy armor, and you get proficiency in con saves. Ooh, yeah. Which is great, especially for, like, hex or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Save that, uh, that concentration. Don't have to get a feat unless you want it. If you want a feat, take the feat for uh, right. Warcaster. The maneuvers are always great. I mean, there's right. there's no arguing that. You just get some... I think my favorites are always the trip attack. So you can, like, on your first attack that hits, trip. Then you get advantage on all subsequent attacks. There's the riposte or riposte. I forget. You guys always make I think fun of me riposte. for one way. We make fun of you for both. We don't actually want <laughs> to say it. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know the correct statement. I can't even read. All right. Well, either way, that's the one that when somebody makes a... When somebody misses you with a melee attack, you can use your reaction to attack them with a melee attack uh, and add your superiority die to the damage roll. So those two are like the most important 
the other one I think is kind of whatever you want to choose. Really, all of these are whatever you want to choose. I'm just very partial to those two. <laughs> right. But regardless of what you choose, pretty much all of them add the superiority to superiority dice as damage. Yep. Either damage really or to, to your AC or whatever. Yeah. Really good way to up the damage. Very good. Damn. I think Cavalier, I mean, that one that's like the horse riding one, combat what? medic type. Uh, Which we've determined <clears throat> is not horse riding. They can, but they're not. Right. 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 Sorry. I was more trying to go of, is there a, is it cool to make a fighter who rides horses and is act and is also a warlock? That's basically where I'm going. What if it's a skeleton horse or something? That's kind of cool. All right. That answers my question. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's probably the main reason I'd go for that. I don't think there's any bad synergy. The unwavering mark, as we talked about in our fighter cleric episode, is actually pretty cool. It's just overall when you hit a creature with a melee weapon attack, you mark that creature until the end of your next turn, and it basically has to attack you or get disadvantage on its attack. And then if it attacks anyone else, then you can use your special ability, which has a resource cost of up to your strength mod per long rest uh, to make an additional weapon attack. So you get some extra attacks. You make yourself more of a focus to attack overall good. And once again, pairs well with Warlock, especially if you cast what is that, that armor one? Armor of Agathus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, you use your unwavering mark, make it so something has to attack you, and now you've got your temp HP, and you're going to deal out a whole bunch of damage back at them if they do attack you. Yeah. Uh, another, yet another. Good. Good thing to consider here. A, you're mainly fighter, and dip into Warlock a bit to get Hex. That fighter with Hex is fantastic. So they have the con save, so they're going to... The proficiency in con saves. And they get a bunch of attacks. And it will add a D6 to every attack. Oh, so it scales really. Yeah, it scales really well with fighter. And then, yeah, like even at 11th level, they have three attacks. So that's an extra 3D6. It's just And then good. action surge. So then it would be, it will trigger on every action surge attack as well. Oh, man. And. It's an extra 66. Here's, here's. Is, even at fifth, that's an extra 2D6, then extra 46. I mean, you're, you're, it's. It's one turn and you're using some resources, but you're starting to outpace like a rogue sneak attack and stuff like that. Yeah. This is a little bit later in the game. And this is also something that does limit itself well with the invocation level requirement, which is a warlock level requirement. Yes. But life drinker, which is a pact of the blade thing, gives you your charisma bonus to damage on melee attacks. Shit. Not in replacement of anything. On top of. So if you play your cards right, that's plus 10. Just flat. Yeah. Per attack. And uh, what level do you get? That's 12th. So you can't exploit this to get the fighters three attacks, for instance. Right. Unless you can level up to like 24 or something. You might even but, have a hard time getting two. So. That might be a three level dip. And then at 15th level, great, you've got that. Which is high, but not unheard of. And for a plus 10? Plus 10 is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just. I'm with you. That's like, that's at that point, it, it like rivals an extra attack. It's just like so much freaking damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not even rival. Plus yeah. ten to each hit, yes. or is that once per turn? It's each hit. Okay, so I mean, there's like the two feats: great weapon master and sharpshooter, which are universally considered great feats because they give you plus ten damage to your attack with a minus five to hit. This is only a plus up to five. Yeah, this is an extra plus five. Okay, that's, think, that's if your charisma is oh, twenty. Right. Okay. It, it gives you yeah. your charisma modifier. So right. Right. We right. are talking about an extra. So plus you, like 10. your strength is twenty and charisma twenty. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, that's I don't. That's hard to pull off at level fifteen. Yes, that's like yeah. the only time where this is yeah. even going to be feasible. Yeah, then uh, fighters do get a lot of ability score improvements. Oh, but you're probably not going to get those because you're only going three into yeah. fighter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it might be a little tough. I, and, Actually, I, I think with point easy. by, I don't know if you could do it. So you would have, I mean, the highest you could get sixteen. Right. So let's say you managed to you do fifteen and fifteen, so sixteen in each, and work that out with classes or whatever you know, human or something. So strength is. 16 charisma 16 at level four bump one up to 18 right at level eight, eight 20 yeah and then bump one up tw- to 18 at, at, 12, at 12 and then 16 okay yeah i mean it'd take it takes some time it would take level to level 16 to get them both to be to, a plus 10 yeah or to, to get that plus 10 overall yeah at level 15 it'd probably be a plus nine still good <laughs> i was gonna say yeah it's <laughs> still good it's just like a lot of damage yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna argue with that so that was a little harder to chase, but it really like, and then you had crazy hex shit. It's, it's worth just... chasing. <laughs> yeah, and then you're adding hex, probably just two attacks. Get that invocation. It's good. That's yeah, it's so good. Is there a bad thing here? Is there like some trap that we want to bring up? Let's talk about the negatives here. What what could really mess this multi class up? What would you warn somebody about? The undying. The undying warlock subclass. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I don't think we've never, we've never used it. It's, it's really not very good. So uh, undying, the whole thing is like, you're the edgy warlock, which is, (laughs) God, what a, what a stretch This is the shadow warlock. Right. Right. So the shadow warlock where you learn spare the dying at first level, you have advantage on saving throws against diseases. And what is it? Additionally, undead have difficulty harming you if an undead targets you uh, directly. You make it, it's basically like the sanctuary spell, but yeah, okay. only for undead. That's really specific. Yep. So that... yeah, if they don't pass their wisdom save, they have to target someone else. And then if you hit them, they're immune to it for twenty four hours. And if they pass the save once, they're immune to it for twenty four hours. That's super specific. And getting the spare to die in cantrip for free is not like not that good. Game changing. No. No. It's like, oh, somebody died. I say that just stabilizes them, right? That's not even the one where it makes them last like a day. No, so it's can, gentle repose, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, all it does is stabilize them. Yeah, which is um, Do they get the it's bonus touch. to it? Uh, the, one of the, no, that's Grave Cleric. That's Grave Cleric. That's what yes. I thought. Yeah. So Grave Cleric gets it so that they not only get Spare the Dying, but they can also cast it 30 feet away. Which makes it worthwhile okay. to cast. Yes. yes. If you have to touch them, I just... I, anything else I mean, just, any, use, yeah, you, just use just use your cure wounds just use your cure wounds get them yeah. back up or a medicine check to stabilize yeah which i whatever. mean sure you could fail that but so then at six level they get defy death uh which doesn't really feel like they're defying death too much uh you regain hit points equal to 1d8 plus your constitution modifier when you succeed a death saving throw or when you stabilize a creature with spare the dying that one's actually decent one death save will get you success will get you back up Am that's I reading saying. that correctly? You can regain... Oh, okay. When you succeed a death saving throw or when you stabilize somebody else. Okay. So you get down, you succeed a single death save. Now you get 1d8 plus your yeah, constitution it, modifier. It's a once per long rest. Okay. Use, but yeah, I mean, that's... It's like a, it's a souped up version of rolling at 20 and that's yeah. every day. I feel like yeah. I'd rather just have the... Any, the half work yeah. thing yeah where it's like oh, oh i hit zero zealot barbarian one. something like yeah, that. yeah a couple of those it's not horrible it's just it's again it's specific yeah don't go down every day that shouldn't <laughs> happen every day and i feel like at six level all of the other warlock abilities 
are something that you're going to use every day. Right. Hexblade is the accursed specter where you get just a free specter after you kill a, a humanoid uh, that follows you around for the rest of the day until it dies for free. I mean, that's much better than if you die, you can get back up if you succeed a death saving throw it's with not even that much health good. with right. like one more in your down health. Not good. And, yeah. and the next one, the 10th level one, though very cool, is still also not that good. You can hold your breath indefinitely. Don't you, require food, water, or sleep. Yeah, it's the undead nature, you know? It, and you age slower, but that's compared to the Hexblade where you roll a dice and decide if somebody attacking you hits or not. Oh my god, that one's so good. <laughs> that's as a reaction too, isn't it? Something, it's ridiculous. Uh, who balanced the undying? I, somebody I who know. didn't want anyone to play it. I, I mean, it, yeah, the Undyne's level 10 is a ribbon ability where I feel like the rests are definitely not. Let's see here. Fiend at level 10 has Fiendish Resilience. You can choose one Which damage type after you finish a rest. You gain resistance out damage till you choose a different one with this feature. Pretty good. Like I mean, that's their 10th level that's ability. Not that's huge. Pre- that's pretty huge. Yeah. You think just a single damage type? Yeah. You, you, like, you get a free resistance for a damage type every I, single day. I understand. It's just, it can be kind of specific if you don't know what you're going to fight. Oh, I do right. slashing, and then you face something well, you, with bludgeoning. Isn't it elemental? Screwed. I don't know. I pulled away from it. I already. think it is. It, yeah. It's not, it's definitely good. It's better than, again, a ribbon ability. Yeah. It, that's what I'm saying. Like, this, the undying is like a homebrew's mistake yeah. where they don't look at the other subclasses in order to make this subclass. The problem right. is, it's really, really, really solid flavor wise. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Really good flavor, but it's such a crappy class. Yeah. What's their 14th level? In, that's the one I was life? complaining about before we started this. That's oh, the right. one. Um, on your turn, you can use a bonus action to regain your hit points equal to 1d8 plus your warlock level. Additionally, if you put a severed body part of yours back in place when you use this feature, the part reattaches. You can use it once per short or long rest. That's just second wind. Yeah, say the first weird. level fighter ability of second wind of 1d10 plus your fighter level is better than this. And uh, how many times have uh, have we lost limbs in campaigns? A lot, actually. Okay, well, that's a specific Recently. Example. No. Yeah, recently. Yeah. Over the last three years, have you lost a limb while playing a D&D campaign? No. no. Okay. How about it, your characters? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody does. And even when we had that one DM that was, like, super into it, he always had, like, a prosthetic waiting around the corner. Right. So it was, like, didn't matter. And, and I said this off, sort of saying it for saying it on air, but I'm going to say it on air for the sake of our listeners here. It's... It's the type of thing of somebody actually goes to level 14 in the Undying and get this ability. The DM is probably going to start finding excuses to make them lose limbs to make the sound feel useful. And if anything, uh, until then, it just doesn't come up. And if anything, it's going to feel not as much useful as it is hilarious. This is the <laughs> third time Jim's lost his arm in a week. And he just keeps reattaching it. That never <sighs> happened before, but now that he can reattach it, it happens all the time. Right. That's not funny. funny enough to be 14 oh, yeah. level yeah, yeah, class. Yeah. No, I totally agree. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's, this isn't like, it's not like you're going to be like, oh, wow, I'm super glad I have that. You're going to be like, ha, 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 the DM is allowed to set up wacky scenarios where I lose limbs now. Right. That's Here, it. Here's the, here's the uh, absolute final nail on the coffin. Is there undid expanded spell list? Also sucks. <laughs> What do they get? False life, ray of sickness, Those blindness and deafness, and silence. Feign death, which is really just worthless. Is feign death the one I'm thinking of where you can just pretend to be dead? Yeah, nobody yeah. can tell. That's such a wow. bad, bad look. Okay. Speak with dead. Not, not worthless, but not that good. 
Are any of these good? Contagion? No. Contagion Blindness, deafness is not bad because right. it's not concentration. You're right. That's and good. Against, they don't Fiend gets that too. They don't get a... Oh, no. They do have a chance to resave it. But yeah, it's not concentration. And with Warlock spells, since it's always cast at a higher level, it will be able to target more than one thing. You're right. That's great against Easy. spellcasters yeah. as well. You blind them, they lose all of their uh, sight components. Amazing. Right. Um, Contagion's also... Is that the... I'm sorry. That's the one that's incredibly bad if you've fail three saving throws. there it is okay yeah yeah and it's and if i remember correctly it's been a rate errated 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 whatever to it's like erotic but don't <laughs> say that the ic errata errata sure to it will only it does not take effect until there's three fails right. for a while everyone kind of played it like you do it the negative impact happens immediately and then these every they start rolling their saves and they collect three it ends but then they have three turns of this and if they collect three fails then it lasts longer and now it's been made pretty clear where nothing happens until three fails and it's just not worth it i mean these these effects are devastating i mean absolutely terrible like um making people vulnerable to all damage types stuff like that but yeah, I'd take even one turn of that over having to fail three saves. If they even succeed on one, they're good, right? No, I think they have to collect. Yeah. It's three, like it's like, like death saves. Yeah. Okay. Well that's something. Yeah, your touch inflicts a disease. Uh make a melee spell attack against with your creature on a hit. They're poison. Oh, so they are poison. That is okay. good, but not Yeah. But they don't even get if they got disadvantage on the saves, then fine. But they only get disadvantage on ability checks. Right. I think it's attacks too, isn't it? And yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, attacks, yeah. You're correct. So poison targets turn. They must make a con saving throw. If the target succeeds on three of these saves, there's no longer poison, and the spell ends. If the target fails three of these saves, the target is no longer poisoned. And then you choose one of the diseases below. The target is subjected to the chosen disease for the spell's duration, which is seven days. So if I want to just give somebody disadvantage for minimum three turns, I'm just going to cast darkness. You know, actually, I will say this because of the nature of this, which is the interesting save rack ups this is a really good way to burn legendary resistances okay sure hey, but for a fifth level spell well remember all all spells are fifth level with your orla <laughs> but yeah, once again this is that my complaint is that the spells just aren't that good that's the only good one yeah, yeah. and I, there's other uh, there's other classes that get it. only good one in a very specific instance which is when you're fighting a creature with legendary resistances mm-hmm. i'll totally mm-hmm. agree that's a fantastic time to make something burn legendary resistances you use one spell you can have it potentially burn every single time here well i guess actually it would make the most sense for the creature if you're the dm and you're playing intelligently let it fail twice and then start burning the legendary resistances but they're still poisoned. They're still poisoned. So you want to chase down that that collection, you know? I don't know. I still think it's it's mm. potentially. Well, yeah. I guess it depends. If it's a spellcaster, then it, it doesn't matter as much. You know. Here's a thought. So it's verbal and somatic components, no material or anything like that. Though if you would need to now be a warlock sorcerer, but then subtle spell where people cannot tell that you're casting a spell. <laughs> it's to like set up beating the shit out of someone later. You're like in the bar and like oops and like as you like bump into them right. as you're sneaking by and you cast this on them a subtle spell and they don't pick up on it and then all of a sudden they're just feeling really sick it's like oh man i came down to something i didn't go home and then you kind of follow him and then you see all right this took effect i'm gonna give him flesh rot <laughs> and now he's vulnerable to all damage and now we're gonna jump him yeah it's like it's a type of thing you need to like almost try and cast it before combat starts yeah 
And then the DM sitting there like, God, this is not going to be a fun fight. <laughs> <laughs> this dude's screwed. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's, that's getting into evil territory. That's just me. I mean, let's eh. make this guy crazy sick and then beat the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's contagion yeah. or like slimy doom. Yeah. Um, what, the creature begins to bleed uncontrollably. They have disadvantage on constitution checks and saving throws. In addition, whenever the creature takes damage, it is stunned until the end of its next turn. <laughs> It's like these are the like right. encounter ending effects that they go off. So I get why it's so hard, but it's like it's too much. It's right. like it's it's an in combat thing. It's just not gonna happen. This isn't specifically warlock talk anymore, but yeah. whatever. Yeah, because our our episodes are always so good at staying on topic. Right? We never go <laughs> and stray from the multi class. Oh man, I think I actually. Oh shit, I get this as a musty. Contagion. Yeah, yeah druid. Yeah, cleric, druid, and it's breaker, always prepared with uh, spores. spores. Speaking uh, of nice. incredibly good spell lists, you know, every, all these caster classes kind of have these. That's a good one. The circle of spores, you get crazy ones that are always prepared for you. Yeah, this one's bad. God, that's a bad subclass. <clears throat> so, yeah, back to the original point on the undying, though. To the whole point of the podcast, the fighter, it, you don't get anything. Like looking through this list here of what they get. It's not the type of subclass where, oh, well, give it some fighter abilities and now it's going to really excel. It's like you're you're so much better off going with almost any other. The only thing subclass. I would argue is that if you're like really committed to the flavor, a one level dip won't kill you uh, where it's not going to give you that great of stuff. We already talked about first level getting spare the dying as a cantrip isn't that important. And it's among the undead ability as a whole. It's just not great. Sure. But if you're like if you need this flavor at least you get Eldritch Blast. Uh, here's here's the thing. Um, the fighter kind of makes it better because it's just a little better. <laughs> the fighter's just better. <laughs> like I would, I would prefer to have the fighter stuff if I have to suffer this subclass. Right. Um, sure. That's about <laughs> it. No, I mean, like I kind of, to some extent, agree. It's like, well, if you're just a pure warlock and you're going through this, you get the first level among the dead. Sixth level, you get to fight death. Uh, all of them really suck unless you look and you go, oh, but I'm also a fighter and that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that kind of makes up for it, you know? <laughs> but I still, I don't recommend it. That's yeah. like, I would still recommend literally any other one that you can get a benefit from. Uh, but if, again, if you're just super obsessed with the flavor, there's at least something there for you. You're almost, you're on, you're teetering on the border of an undead fighter. Okay, that can be cool, I guess. Yeah, just um, pick any other one. Just pick any other one. Yeah, but I feel like every time I say that, somebody comes on, uh, like in you know, through any of the promotional stuff, they'll be like, "So, uh, yeah, listen to your episode about the fighter warlock." And I'm actually playing a uh, level 15 fighter, level five, the undying, and the class is really good. And I'm just like, well. Okay, I mean, is it? You can, no, it's not. You're just having fun. Right, it's fine. right, right. Like you're, you're allowed to have fun. fun without having a number crunching right. session. <laughs> right, right. Like there's nothing wrong with playing the class. There's nothing wrong with playing the combo. Heck, somebody's probably going to say that they're playing a full the undying and that it's good, but that speaks more to the warlock core than it does to the subclass. You'd still be better if you were playing any other subclass. From a purely crunchy mechanical Correct. thing. In terms of yes. yeah, the character you want to play and the campaign you're in. Yeah, have fun with it. Yes. I, mean, I think we say that every time. We're like, 
we're like struggling to make a thing work. It's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you want to do it and have fun with it, have fun. That that's the most important thing. But it is our job to shit on this stuff to yeah. some extent. I mean, like that's but we're we're talking mechanics, mechanics right, and right, role playing. Right. But this we, is the mechanic part of the discussion, and mechanically it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and we've said multiple times, role playing wise, super cool. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, so if you're having fun yeah, with it, yeah. great. That's so good. But if you want to argue with me about how having spare the dying as a cantrip as a warlock is actually really good, I'm probably gonna stop responding. <laughs> sorry it's been a rough week <laughs> they might actually get it anyways and this may just make it a free pick uh like on their list for the warlock yeah is it, it might just be a warlock spell i'm pulling it up now don't know nope, just cleric and artificer that makes more sense okay. artificer i guess whatever yeah spells are weird cleric makes a lot of sense yeah yeah that does artificer i don't know it's like a potion and you, like break <laughs> it on them and it's like i've been spared <laughs> Eyes. <laughs> oh, it's, I, yeah, know, I like to picture that sense. with the artificer. It's not like administering potions. No. It's like it's a completely sealed glass vial. All the stuff's in, and they just like <laughs> just chuck it in, and then the shatters over them. <laughs> a thumb goes up. I'm good. <laughs> See, the glass wounds help the uh, potion get really in there. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't really absorb through the skin well. Oh, that right, actually next character okay. is going to have to be an alchemist, and that's going to be the flavor. You don't drink my potions; they're absorbed through the skin. But there needs to be some abrasions, so it's just like Smash the glass. It, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just that actually did make me think though an artificer that used it like basically needles, like just injected people with their potions. Oh, jeez, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of going along that same line. Yeah, but uh, it definitely <laughs> it work. makes a lot more sense. It also actually, it's more realistic. It also. Uh, <laughs> Yes, I have been to the doctor. It turns out that that is usually the preferred method. <laughs> so it also would explain why it needs to be within five feet. Because uh-huh. uh, otherwise it's like, oh, yeah, I smashed a potion on you. It's like, well, why can't you do that from 10 feet away? It's like, My I can't, get the, really can't bad. get the thrust. Yeah. <laughs> you have to make an attack roll. That's the difference. Yeah. Have you ever hit somebody with a bottle? No. It's way easier if you're right next say, to them. I've never hit somebody with a bottle. Then you don't care enough about random topics in bars. <laughs> <laughs> So you know I care. I hit you with a beer bottle. <laughs> this is why we stopped drinking together. <laughs> um, but again, away from the artificer. Though that's cool. Somebody should steal that. Intravenous potions. I like it. Fighter warlock. Yeah, celestial? Bad I, ones. I don't like the celestial. But we, I, don't, fine. I think it'd be fine. It yeah. would be <laughs> such, such disdain. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be fine. Yeah, it'd be fine. It's whatever. No, I mean it'd be it'd be cool. Um I think that you're oh. probably better off going into cleric, but I think that every time with the celestial. And that's another one that actually pairs incredibly well as the cleric fighter. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, why are you choosing to rely on charisma? Maybe you're just the face of the party, and you've got charisma high, and you just want to do that. Okay, fine. You've got some healing that would probably go well with Cavalier, as we talked about with Cleric Fighter. You get some healing. You get kind of more of that tanky role. Yeah. And the only issue is you now have to rely on charisma as well, right? Which yeah. I guess Cleric you had to rely on wisdom. It's something. I right. like their healing light. I think that one's good where it's you just get a pool of D6s, one plus your warlock level. So right out the gate, you get 2D6 healing that you can just give to somebody within 60 feet as a bonus action. Really great, again, for the, the cavalier mindset right. um, of that, you know, battle medic. I just, I'm really hung up on that that combo. I really want to play. The cleric fighter. Yeah, the cleric fighter, cavalier life cleric. And this actually, you know, keeps going up well, where Radiant Soul isn't just a 
entire ribbon ability. You get resistance to uh, radiant damage, and when you cast a spell that deals radiant or fire damage, you can add your charisma mod uh, to one of the rolls. So that brings it back into the... It now makes sense to cast things that aren't Eldritch Blast. Yeah. Is kind of the big one. Right. Sacred Flame now kind of works. Yeah, and that's actually interesting because that almost... It would be something to shoot for if you didn't want to be an Eldritch Blast Warlock, which I think every time that comes up, everyone just kind of agrees, like, if you want to be an optimized Warlock, you lean into Eldritch Blast. If you're not worried about that and you want to play a Warlock, here's a great way to do it. You go the Radiant Soul, now you're... What's the fire cantrip? I'm blanking. Flame bolt. Flame bolt. Yeah. Thank you. Flame bolt is going to do pretty fire well. Bolt. Fire, fire bolt. bolt makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, and they also we get did sacred just flame. start playing this game. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they also get sacred flame, so you can either have it rely on a deck save, or you can make the attack roll, whichever one makes more sense in the context, and, and get that additional damage. And it's it's good. I would think after looking at the undying. Any of these warlock subclasses are amazing, though. Yeah, that's why it's so upsetting about the Undyings. <laughs> they really are very solid. Uh, a lot of classes you look at, it's like the core of the class. Like Rogue is an example where the core is the power. Right. And everything you get from your subclass is like additions, but they don't really tilt the balance. Warlock, like, that's not really the case. You no. get a lot with these uh, subclasses. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, it's really all the ones where you get the subclass at level one is like that. Sorcerer makes a big yeah. difference. Um, same with Cleric. Definitely. I don't know. What else we got? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't have much else, to be honest. And yeah, it's... I think we could. I know we could just keep going through and picking out these little combinations and, oh, that's great, and yeah, that's great, and it's it's really hard to go wrong. yeah. I'm, I'm with there or with you. Like, I mean, samurai. We haven't talked about. Um... The only thing, uh, samurai always feels like a weird one to multi-class with, and that's all I'll really say about it. Where it's just like, when I just have such a, a burned-in image of what a samurai should be, right. and adding in like a warlock patron just feels like that's actually the one that I would give it. Really, like just like Japanese mythology is incredibly rich, and none of us know any about thing about it because we're not Japanese. You know more than I do, obviously, because I watch way it. too much anime. <laughs> but you got the crazy demons, like yeah. onis and shit, like right, that, right, all right. Japanese, and they're like perfect. And there's tons and tons of stuff about like corrupted samurai. Oh, and okay, stuff like that. Yeah, that's you're a samurai fair. for a Japanese demon. That <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Every combination just kind of works. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I was hoping to find one that I didn't like. Never mind. Sorry, Will. <laughs> you were right. Warlocks are the best class. They really are. <laughs> Man, that is a cool one. I don't want to play that. Does somebody want to fucking run a one shot for me? Please. So we can play every single suggestion we've made. It's just Good a one on one one shot and you control five characters <laughs> of all these. I'll make yeah, a different yeah. voice for each of yeah. them. <laughs> Not gonna be good. Not gonna be good at all. I expect really good interparty conflict and roleplay. <laughs> I would try. <laughs> it's like that Pixar short where the old man is playing chess against himself. Ooh. That'd be good. You know, it's actually, that would be a lot less awkward than DMing for yourself. That's for sure. Oh, I have the DM for myself too. I'm just suggesting. So I'm DMing for myself (laughs) while also playing all of the characters. I think I'm going to stream this. (laughs) You might get views, but not for the right reasons. (laughs) If it was a scripted thing, I could see me done really well. You you do the type of thing where you, 
you there's five clones of you in all of the chairs at once right you just have like a different colored shirt on yeah. sort of but you'd have to like really script it and plan it out and like kind of make a comedy thing out of it i could see that doing well on youtube not streamed though yeah, don't don't give away our ideas, Kevin. We gotta like, are we really going to do that? That sounds like a whole lot of work. <laughs> it's not that hard. Honestly. You just you just, you just fix it in post. Yeah, <laughs> just fix it in post for us. No, no, no. The effect of having like five Jareds sitting around a table is yeah. not that hard when filmed, right? Okay. The uh, scripting it and then acting it out with correct timing and comedic timing oh, is going to be bitch. tough. Yeah, yeah especially because you are not even remotely an actor. Yeah, <laughs> or funny. Yeah. No. <laughs> It'd just be cringe. Or even worth looking at. <laughs> I'm in podcast format for a reason. <laughs> you got a no. face for radio, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on from Jared, Fighter Warlock. Yep. I think you're handsome. <laughs> let's move on from this entire conversation <laughs> because I want to move on to the fact that, Kevin, you're handsome as well. Thank you, Jerry. Um, Will. Well, See, they have to lie. <laughs> they <laughs> pick the handsome guy, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, we can make, we can be mean to him." <laughs> you're, you're, you're a person. Well, that's actually, it's not even an insult. It's <laughs> pretty say, generous of you. You have a great personality. I like the fact that you challenge me at every step. <laughs> <laughs> because of you, I'm a better person, as I've seen what the lowest of the low can be. Oof, uh, he's not wrong. <laughs> And with that, we move on to our promotional period. If you do not yet, make sure to follow us on Twitter. That is monsters underscore multi. Uh, subscribe to our subreddit, which is monsters and multi class, or I guess r slash monsters and multi class, uh, where you can get updated on any of our episode releases. Discuss the episode releases. Really, you can do this on either of the social medias. Uh, I manage both. Also, we recently started. Uh, having a patreon to try and pay for some of the costs of running a podcast uh main thought right now is if we get a couple we can start transcribing episodes uh which is always great for people who don't want to listen to our dumbasses talk for an hour and a half it's easier to go back and reverence crap and that too i'm sure there's like, like a that. ton of benefits and then selfishly it really helps our seo but I don't think our listeners care about that. I actually didn't even know that, to be honest. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't keep that's, up. That's like stuff. the big reason why you always hear like, oh, you should transcribe your podcasts. Oh, okay. Yeah, that helps like, with SEO a lot. Hmm. But, okay. Well, but yeah. yes, from the listener's perspective, it's easier to go back and reference things or if you're in a situation where you can't listen, but you could read through it. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead and uh, take a look at that. You get access to our Discord. Also plan on, as long as uh, Kevin is able to edit the podcast early enough, releasing the episodes a day early, at least hours early. No guarantees on that. Such a good patron. <laughs> Subscribe to it. We're so consistent. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I didn't know you were going to throw that one out there. I know if we talked happens. about it. If it happens. Yeah, I, happens. I, I can't promise that. No. I, I got a newborn at home. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't list that officially on the Patreon. Um, no, I didn't. Okay. I didn't. It's All just right. right right here. I'm like, hey, you All can right, get yes. that. If it, if it happens to be done early, we'll share the link with you. Yeah. <laughs> don't sign up for that for that reason. <laughs> just leave it at that. Yeah. Don't sign up for this. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, please do if you want to support us. Also, leave yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're able you to, can. obviously, you'll keep listening to us for free. Yeah. Absolutely no problem. <laughs> no pressure. We love all of you. <laughs> Except for Mark. In Milwaukee, uh, Milwaukee, Mark. Holy shit. <laughs> Hate that guy. 
Oh, that's going to be a fun Patreon tier. We'll insult you on the show. (laughs) I don't want to go this direction, please. (laughs) We'll just roast you. Um, All right. So moving on, let's go ahead and take a look at the flail snail. All right. So this episode, we're taking a look at the flail snail from Volo's Guide to Monsters. Uh, This is a... A snail uh, that has a head of flails. <laughs> it's a flail snail. Really? Yeah. Flail snail is a snail? <laughs> For the most part, it's not really like a hostile creature by any means. Uh, it kind of just roams the countryside. Yeah, just, yeah, just eating whatever is in its way. But it seems like it's very. It's going to be very sought after. As throughout its lore, it talks about how uh, its shell is worth a bunch of money. Uh, it also leaves behind like a, a very thick pane. Uh, it basically leaves glass behind, like a pane of glass in its way. Yeah, like its slime hardens. Yeah. yeah, and so that can be like collected. And I think that... You're not going to be able to use this as a uh, a BBEG in your team. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but, but I think it makes for a very interesting encounter and a fun hook to a quest. But it's like such a classic, you find it on the job board. Like, oh, there's been sightings of a flail snail. I really need a shell. Get me a shell and I'll give you some money. Right. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, but how much money? Um, how much a exactly? Lot. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, that's the issue. It's like, I'll give you six hundred gold if you go kill that little snail and get me a shell. It's like, oh, sick, sweet deal. It's like, no, that is a very bad deal. Yeah, that yeah. is a super bad deal. Um, before we even get to talking about the stats, which I'm sure we will, I think a good way to make this as a hook is uh, one of the parts is its shell can give you basically a. a reflection shield, a, a spell guard shield, as it's called that like reflects magical attacks for a yeah. month. Sorry. Well, it, yeah, it's a little weird how yeah, go ahead. that it's, so it's, it shells 250 pounds. It's worth 5,000 gold, yep. which is insane. And then it's saying a skilled armor can make three shields on the shell for one month. The shields will give the wheel of the snail flails anti-magic trait, which we'll get to. Right. And then after the month, it becomes inert, but it's a very exotic fancy shield and saying it's perfect for creating the spell guard shield if you use the uh, magic item crafting rules it's like a good base for that that's what it's saying so i think what a better hook is than i will pay you 600 gold is hey if you get me this shell i'm gonna get three of these anti-magic shell shields i'll give you one of them and you know afterwards i can make it into a spell guard shield yeah and the spell guard shield's awesome i i don't know how i didn't know about this it's pretty Simple thing, but it's really great. So if you are holding it, uh, you have advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects, and spells attacks have disadvantage against you. Uh, also, it increases your AC by... Oh, by two. That's standard shield stuff. Okay, yeah. I misread that, but yeah. So, But still, that's awesome. Yeah, magic saves. I mean, that's a, a really powerful shield. Yes. So I, I almost wonder, when would it be a good time to make your party fight this? Because that's a strong magic item. Yeah, except it's still, it still needs to be made, which is yes. astronomical. It's a very rare magic right. item right. that's like astronomically expensive. I don't remember what. I don't have those rules up. But As far as expense is concerned, I could see the quest giver being like, all right, I make anti-magic shields and I need flail snail shells. You get one, I get to make two. And he'll do the cost for you. Right. Because I mean, he's going to make a shitload of money, you know? Right. So that's the idea. It's like making your own magic items is probably not a road to go down. Yeah. 
Well, the yeah, the one that lasts for one month. Even if he was making actual the spell guard yeah. shield, yeah, spell guard shields incorporated yeah. or whatever, probably needs a lot of flail snow shells. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, except for then, yeah, that does kind of put it at an odd level because I mean it's a very rare magic item that you would want to give it to a high level character, <laughs> and the flail snail is challenge rating three. So here's my idea on that is. The hunt of the flail snail is not exactly the most exciting thing. <laughs> so you have to go find the flail snail in a very dangerous dungeon and then just oh. go stomp the snail. Now, like, why is this flail snail in a very dangerous dungeon? It's like, why are it's, these it's monsters the are not going to eat the yeah, flail snail? Just, They're not going to. He looks gross. Yeah. So thinking about it more, I think a, a way that I would probably introduce this, introduce this, especially in our current campaign, is basically while you guys are traveling, you, you know, notice that there's just a trail of this weird goo roll a nature check figure out that this is probably from a flail snail and their shells are worth a shit ton now that's a good hook because now you guys maybe i give you some more of this information about what exactly the shell can do and now it's up to you guys to track it down which might be some checks along the way as you said will the hunt for it isn't going to be that exciting until it's in a very dangerous location. Now there's like a bunch of hurdles that you need to overcome. And right. then once you get the shell, there's still the question of, okay, now who can make this into a shield? Yeah. It's also us? 250 pounds. The flail snail is large. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's, I think that's a good way to do it. So yeah. there's, yes, if you're, if the quest is to just go find a snail, kill the snail, probably not going to be, too interesting or you're going to be giving a low level party way too much which right for some dms that's fine right that's like totally cool i think that's a lot at our table where we where i don't want to do that <laughs> that's fine um but i could see a lot of dms just being yeah. like yeah cool now you've got this awesome shield for the next month and then afterwards you've got it for a little bit and you guys have five thousand gold which how could that be unbalanced who cares about money <laughs> uh, another way to frame that the hunt for it is there's a bunch of competition yeah, there's that too. like a lot of adventuring parties going out to try and, yeah. and so you need to fight them off. But like you don't want to kill them because I mean it's not like they're evil and you're not evil. It's like all right, so you're like in competition for it, but you have to be like a little guarded on how you do that and find like quicker and all that, that sounds stuff. like a, a Disney movie setup, but not like the entire movie, but like just a a part of a Disney movie and not in a bad way, just in the sense of. Like, you might not want to resolve that through conflict or through combat. Right. Or maybe it's like, oh, you, the flail snail's, you know, up on top of a cliff and you guys are 200 feet down. That group is starting to walk around because it's safer. You can try and race them up the hill or you can try climbing up this 90 degree angle rocky precipice. Right. Cool. All right. Now there's like a fun montage scene with everybody trying to climb. Right. That's admittedly a great time for skill challenges from fourth edition um, that I know are in some ways making a resurgence. I have not figured them out yet, to be honest. So I stay away from them. Um, <laughs> but I see that being a, a cool way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, and the whole time the flail, flail snail is just up there kind of like unoblivious, like munching on something. Right. And it, that, like typical kind of cute, like Disney animation way. Right. <laughs> you like and keep just, cutting back to it where you like explain like, oh, you know, you, you're climbing up. Oh, you almost slip. And, you know, your hands are starting to bleed from grabbing onto these rocks and cut to the flail snail. He currently found a nice patch of minerals that uh, seems very excited by it starts munching on it and cute little noises yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly the noise you make when you're a snail eating rocks <laughs> i assume it is <laughs> my animal sounds are nothing but accurate well 
Right, yeah. so its mouth is up close to the flail. So it, it, I mean, it's kind of shaped like a regular snail, and mm-hmm. it has like it's a shell, and then out of it's kind of this long neck of a sense, and it ends in this kind of like fanned out thing. It almost looks like a hand that the fingers are flails. Right, and and on like the palm of that hand is its mouth. So I kind of like the picture of it, like it's going along and I see someone wants to eat its entire neck and like hand and flails just, <laughs> just slam into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think, again, I, there's actually a lot of different ways to throw this in. Yeah. And none of it really should be that the flail snail is a difficult fight, but it still can be a difficult fight in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I think I, this one to get into the stat block is a little a bit. Block. It's a little bit misleading as a challenge rating three. For sure. In my because the first thing is health wise and armor class wise, it's got a sixteen AC, nothing too crazy, but still pretty good for challenge rating three. Uh fifty two hit points, also again, not bad for challenge rating three. Right. Really low speed. Ten feet. It's a snail. It's a snail. <laughs> <laughs> Damage immunities to fire and poison, conditioning immunities to poison. Uh, it's got dark vision out to 60 feet, tremor sense out to 60 feet, and it doesn't know any languages, so it's really slacking there. Um, but its anti-magic shell is kind of in line with the uh, the Morkoth that we were talking about the other day, where it can reflect a spell almost. Right. Uh, but regardless, uh, so the snail has advantage on saving throws against spells, and any creature making a spell attack against the snail has disadvantage on the attack roll. If the snail succeeds on its saving throw against a spell or a spell attack misses it, an additional effect might occur as determined by rolling a d6. So, one to two, if the spell affects an area or has multiple targets, it fails and has no effect. If the spell targets only the snail, it has no effect on the snail and is reflected back to the caster using the spell slot level, spell save DC, basically the same spells just reflected back. Three to four is no additional effect. Five to six, the snail shell converts some of the spell's energy into a burst of destructive force, and each creature within 30 feet of the snail must make a DC 15 con saving throw or take 1d6 force damage per level of the spell. All right, so to unpack that, that means on a 1 or a 2, this spell's getting reflected. On a 5 or 6, the snail's just exploding out some energy uh, and dealing damage based on spell level. Yep. And it has advantage to make these things happen. So yep. <laughs> spellcasters are going to have a bad time against this. Yeah. So what's interesting when it's talked with the Morkoth, I think, Will, you said it, where that kind of spell reflectability, it almost seems like it's too much because it always sucks to spend a really high level spell slot and have something just pass the save and nothing happens. And then on top of it, then like that's not enough for you. Now the Morkoth is going to like reflect it back. And it's like, yeah, I get that. That's really annoying. For some reason with the flail snail, it just doesn't bother me. It's because like, look, at the, <laughs> I am, I'm aligned with the flail snail. Anybody <laughs> hunting this guy, like... I would protect the flail snail. <laughs> oh my god! That's that was. I, I just come came up with this, but like, how to make this a hard fight? There's like literally a cult, like a very powerful cult devoted to flail snails. Oh my god! Uh, it doesn't even be a cult, just a druid circle. Yeah, Why, they don't want you. You're just killing this flail snail just for because challenge rating what like thirteen arch druids. Right? Like, no, you're not killing the fucking flail snail. That's yeah. great. I didn't even think about that. Just a yeah, a protection group. Just like no, this thing's living its life doing absolutely nothing it provides us a valuable resource like the the world a valuable resource by its trail being glass yeah yeah it's saying people will make livings following the flail snail harvesting its glass and like it will be it can be melted down in other metal glass shapes and make right. windows and right, stuff right. like that it's like, and, you're, and you're telling me you're just gonna come in here this thing's minding its own business and you're gonna kill it just because it shells worth some money no 
fuck you, we're going to fight you. <laughs> That's great. And that actually does kind of make him the big bad evil guy in its own way. Yeah. <laughs> like the big bad evil guy is technically the guy protecting it, but then you have to kill the flail snail. Which still just continuously can cut back to the flail snail just doing nothing, <laughs> but being completely oblivious. <laughs> while like arguments and these massive fights are breaking out between it and you just see it just slowly... <laughs> Ooh, rock. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But even regardless of that, it's just, I I think maybe it's the challenge rating. The Morkoth is like, you're going to fight at a higher level. It's like, it's clearly like the boss. Right. And having an entire action wasted and then made even actually worse against you on a boss sucks right a challenge rating three flail snail it's like oh look at the little guy reflected back <laughs> at me oh i'm so mad I, he, whatever he got me it's like whatever he, you know you're not dying <laughs> right i mean it's right so then next is uh i want to get to its flail tentacles last actually so i'm going to talk about its actions next uh so its actions it does have a multi-attack uh the flail snail makes as many flail tentacle attacks as it has flail tentacles all against the same target which is and starts with five. Yeah, starts with five. And I think that's kind of interesting that it's all against the same target every time. Cause that's like, I guess kind of telling of how it fights. It's more telling that this is a, a fucking snail. It's not <laughs> yeah, like tactical, right, like right, right, right. that guy, bam, got to right. break the wizard's concentration. Right. Bam. It's I just like, think it's <laughs> interesting that they put that in. It's not very often that they like put hard guidelines into the mm-hmm. multi-attack like that, that are saying like, oh, this is just because of this is how it fights. Mm-hmm. You're right though. It's because it's a snail and it's not going to think further than I need to kill this thing in front of me. It's flail tentacle is pretty good to be honest. Plus five to hit reach of 10 feet and 1d6 plus 3 bludgeoning damage. Once again, that's 5 times. 5d6 plus 15 if all of those hit. Challenge rating 3. Challenge rating 3! That's like a bit misleading. But really good. I mean, that's one of the seven flavor texts. Everyone's like, oh, look at this stupid snail. And they walk up to it and BAP! Just like (laughs) destroy the guy. (laughs) Ooh, that'd also be really comical to watch where you just get like your you're traveling with a guide and he's like, oh, that's the flail snail. All right, I finally got it. Runs up to it. Just like, ah! Smack. Yeah. <laughs> Whap down in one hit. I guess five hits. Then it has its uh, scintillating. 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 Yeah. Shell. Uh, recharges on a short or long rest. The snail's shell emits dazzling colored lights until the end of the snail's next turn. Uh, it sheds some light out for 30 feet, and creatures that see the snail have disadvantage on attack rolls against it. In addition, any creature within the bright light and able to see the snail when this power is activated must succeed on a DC 15 wisdom saving throw or be stunned until the light ends. Once again, DC 15 is pretty high for a challenge rating 3. Then last is its shell defense. The flail snail withdraws into its shell, gaining a plus four bonus to AC until it emerges, and it can emerge from its shell as a bonus action. I don't know why exactly it would do that. I I do know why it would do that. That would be like the default generally as a snail. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then when you're everything intact, tactfully uh, tactically as uh, the DM, it's when there's other stuff fighting with it. Right. Like the arch druids. It's just that you get scared and then it's like, whoop. Yep. Do it shell. Perfectly fair. Yep. Oh, it'd be such a dick move if you guys were having a like fight against the Archdruids, and it's just like, you know what? We're kind of done with you. Uh, we're just going to kill the snail. Like, just to piss him off. Like, yeah, this fight's going to be over real quick once the snail's dead anyways. Um, or is it? 
because of its flail tentacles. Uh, so this is just one of its passive abilities. Uh, as Kevin mentioned earlier, it has five flail tentacles to start. Whenever the snail takes 10 damage or more in a single turn, one of its tentacles dies. If even one tentacle remains, the snail regrows all dead ones within 1d4 days. If all of its tentacles die, the snail retracts into its shell, gaining total cover, and it begins wailing. A sound that can be heard for 600 feet, stopping only when it dies 5d6 minutes later. <laughs> Healing magic that restores limbs, such as regenerate spell, can halt this dying process. So when you do this, it's just going to suck up into its shell and then just start screaming. <laughs> doesn't even have any effects. It doesn't do yeah. anything. It just starts screaming. Well, that, that's the effect. If you somehow manage to sneak past the druid circle, then <laughs> kill the snail and like, we got him. It's like, ah! <laughs> and then all the druids just start charging in. Oh, yeah, and that's a good point. I'm going to check it regenerate now. I bet druids get that. Yes, and it's yep. a seventh level spell. Jeez, yeah. Imagine doing that for a snail. <laughs> yeah. It would send the message that they actually are pretty serious about yeah. that. That's very true. So the other side of things here is that uh, if you're not tasked with killing the flail snail or retrieving it, you might be tasked with protecting the flail snail. Uh, so this yeah. would be something that maybe the party doesn't fight, but is fighting something trying to get it, and that would be an interesting part of it. Right. Uh, or again, basically replace every time you said the Archdruids for your party, uh, where they wake up in the middle of the night and they just hear that screaming. <laughs> Fuck, somebody got the snail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, who who wasn't keeping watch well enough? I guess you could actually really, like, kind of waylay the party by assigning this at a semi-high level. It's like, all right, you need to protect the flail snail and your level... 13, 14 parties, like, what? It's like, I need you to spend a week in the flail snail cave protecting the snail. Right. Like, There's some flail snail hunters the fuck that are, are you coming. talking about? And, and then 150 guys show up. Because that's like, you could pay 150 guys enough to fight for you with 2,500 gold. Right. It's not hard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, shit. It's perfect. Yeah. It was good. Or just moving through an area. I kind of got the impression they don't, stop anywhere they don't live anywhere it's just yeah. like it's moving close to a city and people are freaking out about like the druids or whatever hire you to escort it yeah and, oh god <laughs> oh, <laughs> like since it's D yeah since it's D, D, it wouldn't be too bad but if this was put into a video game and it's 10 feet speed <laughs> and they don't give you a button to walk that fast right. it's like uh, 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 even if they why do games did, do that I'm sorry. So I need to design. I need to stop on that for a second. If you're doing an escort mission or have to follow somebody, if you don't have something to make you walk the same speed, you're a bad game designer, and you need to hang up your game design. Uh, and it happens a lot. Sometimes it's like bizarre ratios. Like you're 1.2 times as fast as right. the person you're escorting. You're like, why? <laughs> I, I know the the reasoning is it's like if they matched your speed, and for whatever reason you fell behind, you will never catch up. So you need to catch up, but there are more nuanced ways to handle yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Where it's, yeah, like um, I definitely know these games that do it well. Where Red you, Dead you, Redemption just like hold a button and then you just yeah, you basically yeah, just like yeah, fine. yeah, lock onto each other and just go. The ones that like, like that. are problems, I can think of like Borderlands too because I play the crap out of that. Um, where they'll have times where an NPC needs to do something, uh, and it's just like an out of like combat just a, a mission thing and the npc just walks at like two miles per hour and you're just like oh my god move 
move please please just move quicker it's like follow me put some muscle in like stuff, oh my like. god can we just speed this up yeah um or again have a button to follow them yeah or no like um mmos it's common where it's like they're not necessarily going slow but they go slower than you're running mm-hmm. so you could catch up to them because it's just how that engine's built it's like having that variable speed i i'm not a developer but i imagine it would be difficult to get that to work in like a mmo type environment probably yeah. So they just kind of, it's a big, you know, maybe they just shouldn't put escort quests then. (laughs) Yeah. I think again, okay. Back to what you were saying in D and D escorting the flail snail would be a fantastic mission. Yeah. You could have some fun with it where you like, you like narrate that type of annoyance, but the players don't have to actually go through it. Right. So everyone, you know, kind of knowingly laughs about it and right. Then you move on. Right. (laughs) Or like, you know, you just find that it's like pretty, cause it mentions in here, uh, and it's trail of treasure. Or maybe before that, uh, where it just wants to find, like, where is it? I'm not even seeing it. It likes finding shinies, uh, including, like, mineral deposits and crystal growths and whatnot. Uh, The party might realize, like, oh, this thing's really good at finding those, like, crystal growths. And that's kind of worth money in its own way, isn't it? Give them something interesting to notice while following this thing around for an escort. Right. So you're going to steal the poor flail snails? shinies (laughs) you gotta like make it lead you to it and then like rip it away from them before it has a chance to eat it i'm not doing anything kevin it's (laughs) what the players do way to get flailed (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that'd be that'd be funny too the party thinks it's a good idea they take it and the flail snail just comes over slowly and then (laughs) oh my god the wailing too that'd be good Yeah, it doesn't oh. have to be when it dies. It could obviously physically do it. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. And that would be mostly just hilarious. Yeah, just the overall. DM screaming is always fun. Yeah. <laughs> so it starts wailing, it's flails, just boom. <laughs> like, oh, God, okay, and toss it back. So, okay, then you could really get, you could develop a personality for this thing. Yeah. Um, as, again, as the DM being the flail snail, <laughs> you make your party absolutely love this thing and protect it at all costs. Yeah. I... You guys might be seeing one of these soon, if I'm being honest. We're doing a lot of travel. I feel like it's super fitting. Yeah. I'm in love with this. Yeah. It it is. It's another one of those monsters. This one, since it is a... Oh, actually, it's an elemental. It's not a beast, but Mm -hmm. it's like so low intelligence and all that. You initially have the impression of like, this is random encounter fodder. Right. But it's actually not. Like, I think it's just a one-on-one fight. It kind of sucks with its 10 feet speed. 10 foot speed and no ranged attacks right you're just gonna keep walking backwards yeah you just kite <laughs> it around like even if like half the party doesn't have to you know just sits there well after it, the, it's like only 52 health after the first two surprises it stops being fun and yeah. it's just over your fighter gets absolutely beat to shit by the first attack right maybe maybe he retreats yeah and then your wizard follows it up with a firebolt and that hits him right back in the face and they're like all right <laughs> I think that's that's it for the bag of tricks, and they just like kite it with uh, crossbows and bows, and yeah, throw javelins <laughs> at it. Yeah, that's fair. And yeah. it's it's the type of thing. It's like it, it's almost unfortunate because then it makes the fight less fun for the players. But it's what people do. It's what we do. It's that's oh, like yeah. yeah. I mean, video games, but it apl- definitely I think it applies here where people will kind of like optimize the fun out of their games, right? And I think this is very much one of those situations. They would I, just optimize their own fun out of the game without even consciously realizing you're kind of ruining it for yourself by doing this. But people are going to do it. Yeah. No, I think that's something that like um, there. 
I don't think there needs to be a mechanic behind this, but I've seen you do this before, Kevin. I've done it as well, uh, where when I don't want my PC to know something, but I know something and it's like, I, I see how you could make that logical jump. It's like, I'm just going to roll for it. And if I get like a bad roll or whatever, I'll set a DC for myself, then I won't get it. So maybe I'm the, the druid who, I don't know why I'm attacking this thing. Maybe that's a bad example. I'm the sorcerer who's attacking it. I'm dumb. And, uh, you know, you throw the spell, it reflects back at you and you're like, hey, what the fuck? And then you cast another spell because you do a low roll and you're like, uh, even though Jared isn't dumb and knows what's going on, uh, Fiducis, what's their names? <laughs> such a good name. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, oh, let's just keep on hitting this thing with fireballs. And then the entire party's like, stop! <laughs> just like whacking his spell cast, folks. Get, Something's wrong with this thing. <laughs> It usually doesn't do this. I think yeah. it's running low on whatever magic's made of. <laughs> and everyone's just like, fucking sorcerers. Right, right. So, I mean, you're 100% right. People are in, they're into self-preservation in D&D. They don't want to just yeah. get themselves killed. But in a fight like this, I guess having some metagame knowledge and allowing yourself to ignore it could be more fun. It could make for a sillier fight. Right. I think it's just a great centerpiece for whatever stupid thing that we've suggested. <laughs> totally agree. I think it, that like it, it's one of those things that it sounds like such a short little like, oh, yeah, we're just going to go get the uh, the foil snail, whatever. And then like six weeks later, you're like, oh, my God, we're still dealing with this flail snail thing. <laughs> this quest has spiraled out of control. Right. <laughs> so you're fighting off like demons coming in for its shell and shit like that. <laughs> No, that one point as you kind of crescendo to the end of it, you need to wait for the moment as the day. I'm going to try and set up with it where like things are going south for the PC and the players and like someone's about to die. And then the flare snail just out of nowhere wakes up actually and just beats the shit out of something saving the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's been completely just going along oblivious to everything up to that point. It's like, oh, holy shit. Okay. It actually hits really hard. Yeah. <laughs> just take out the demon or the bandit or whatever. Oh boy, yeah. I this is really fun. I'm surprised yeah. that we've never fought one of these. Yeah, it's like it's pretty iconic. Like I've always known what it is. Yeah, I've heard about it. It's yeah, same, same in the, like the realm of flumps that we talked about. Flumps, flumps. Isn't yeah. it flumps? I don't yeah. know. Doesn't matter. Those are like, harder I, to get a I party. To I don't fight. know why you would ever fight that. <laughs> I, I don't know either. This thing, I get why you would fight it. They're like challenge rating zero and lawful good. <laughs> Some people just want to watch the world burn, Kevin. <laughs> I don't think they have an attack. <laughs> Some people just want to watch the yeah. world explode. I, I mean, don't know, you man. can kill whatever. Like, they yeah. don't have to have an attack to kill them, Kevin. Yeah. But it's not a fight. It's just it's not my job to tell PCs <laughs> not to kill stuff. It's, it's, it's a massacre. I'm getting my I'm getting my like bullying desire out on these poor folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I really love how they did with this in the flamer, we we went through the details already, is how they actually go into details of it's monster parts what you could use it for yeah. you get the shell and then you can make this or there's the we didn't talk about it. you could grind up the shell and use it to make a robe of scintillating colors yeah it's like a make you can make a die out of the ground up shell or and then the mucus trail leaves behind could be a glass like substance to be harvested to make glassware and stuff like that i love how it goes into that flavor because i we don't do it anymore because like we're pretty all experienced players and kind of realize that it just it's not part of D unless the dm really works on it but I remember when we first started playing, 
we would like kill a beast in a random encounter and we know it was like it's kind of a rare thing like we killed like a chimera or something i remember specifically with that and we spent so much time trying to figure out our right, what can we harvest off of this this, this thing's crazy there's got to be worse stuff the chimera scales and its hearts and all that and its fangs and everything and it always ended up being like yeah i mean not much came of it. The DM kind of threw us a bone and like had everything worth like a couple gold, but it was never exciting. And we just sort of stopped. Right. And it kind of then we haven't done it since. If they gave the treatment that they have for the flail snail to like all sorts of different beasts and things like that, that would be really cool. I 100% agree. And this actually uh, is a great segue into uh, honestly promoting somebody else's work right now. Oh, we're uh, do yeah. right. No, 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 just really quick. So um, somebody that I talk to a lot, uh, Cinderblock Sally uh, on Twitter, sent me a thing that he worked on. He worked on the art. It's called Armoroon's Almanac, uh, Forest of the Realms. It's on DM's Guild. It's a homebrew thing all about the forest of Faerun. And every single monster in that actually has that. Oh. It has like a, a really interesting like breakdown of like what you can do with their body parts. Not for every single one of them, but like with a couple. And it was the exact same thing is kind of well-timed as I saw it earlier this week. Then I saw the flail snail. I 100% on board. I love that idea of just like you have something that's worthwhile. The monster itself has parts of it that are worthwhile. It allows us to do everything that we just talked about of setting up these absolutely ridiculous quests just even though the, the fight itself isn't that entertaining. Right. Even more, I mean, I think it's something that as the DM, when you have this, you said it's hard for the DM to like come up with stuff. But when you have it already, it's easy to make that nature check right. or whatever history check, whatever makes sense. And then say, hey, you guys know that that's worth something or you can turn it into something else if you you know talk to the right person. Great. Yeah. I, I think that's really cool. Uh, so I would like to start doing that. But... Yeah, that's a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> you know if that little cross promotional thing there was a plan, that would have been smooth as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I like perfectly set you up for that. I did not know that you were going to bring that up. I, that I was wasn't. I was not. Yeah. it's just it fit, and I, I yeah. gotta say it was. You no, know, it's fine. I, it was I, yeah. really really cool, and also I did get a promotional copy that should be stated. So it wasn't for this show. Right, it's entirely separate. He just sent it to me because he's we're friends. He kind of buzz, yeah. yeah, but I. Really did like it, and I will say that again. I I will say this: I like the uh, reverse of that too, where it's the uh, robe of scintillating colors and the anti-spell shield. I don't like the I don't have to explain shit. It's magic approach to yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. Well, how yeah. do you make a robe of scintillating colors? Colors. The default is I take a robe and I put magic into it. Yeah. It's like no, that's so lazy. You have to go get a snail. Like there has to be right. ingredients for this shit. Right. So I like the idea that both these magic items are exclusively made by flail snail shells. Right. And every single one of them, no matter who makes it or how they make it, it all started with a flail snail snail shell. Right. And I said this to you dismissively, I think a couple episodes ago, around like, oh, I want a better (laughs) druid armor. Uh, But I I think this is perfectly in line. Uh, Not the flail snail specifically, but uh, just I want better armor, but it can't be metal. Great. Let me take a look at like some monsters that that might be. If, if Musty wants to go around and ask people like, "Hey, you know, hey, you know, oh, you're you're a, a somebody who studies this entire realm. Can you give me some information on something that would be good for this? I don't know what they'd be called. What a biologist, I guess. Zoologist. Uh, zoologist. Would be specific for animals. Thank you. Zoologist would be good. Just like what would be good, and then you know, it's up to you to decide if you're cool with just killing the thing. I don't care. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Just dumb animals. <laughs> Said the druid. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, I mean, that's like, it's it gives you something to go towards. And I think magic items do actually say that they should, in the creation, should normally require a specific material. Mm-hmm. Like it says that, it just doesn't give you specific materials. I would love in the same vein as if the magic items listed, this is created with these components. You can get them from these weird monsters. Yeah. Awesome. That's so good. I want a book around that because we could just run entire campaigns around that idea of, you know, trying to get the material. A magic item shop. Oh, that's like, that's the entire idea of the campaign. Perfect. Oh, you get a special spin off so many interesting quests and adventures and crap off of just going out to get the ingredients. I'd feel a little bad, but this, I kind of wouldn't because I feel like the artificer should also kind of have to do that. They do. They have to. Yes, f- it says in the magic item creation, it talks about needing a specific component. They, they just do it better. That. Yeah, it says that. It says in the magic item creation. Well, it they says, don't tell you what you need. Correct. So Sorry. we would have to make a table for. Oh yeah, yes. we'd have to make You're it. Up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're infusions. They don't need that, but that's yeah. different. That that's right. Quite literally infusing with magic, that's and they only saying. get a couple of those, so they can't right. just like sell those unless you do what we talked about in the artificer episode, which is <laughs> running a front, yeah, yeah, running a scam, and that's not a good idea with your transmutation but wizard. Actually, making the magic items. Great setup. Uh, you know, it, it, especially even having an artificer actually makes it better because now you're like, oh, it's really not profitable to make magic items because it takes so darn long. And it's like, hey, we got an artificer who's really good at this. Uh, great. Let's go collect some components and let's kill us a flail snail. We got a lot of money to make. I like it. Fuck this campaign, guys. Yeah. I'm throwing <laughs> it out. That sounds awesome. I want to play that. <laughs> I love it. Or run it or whatever. Yeah. I don't want to run it. I don't want to make all the yeah. <laughs> what you need. Maybe somebody's made a book of that. Somebody I has. Don't know. I feel like actually if we I like go through the list of like magic items. We could come up with something. My, yeah, it's like I haven't gone through that like that in a long time. Now that I'm a lot more familiar with the monsters How out about, there. Uh, robe of many to... eyes. What do you think we need? <laughs> <laughs> well, robe first and uh... a beholder. Yeah. No, man. They yeah, you need all the eyes. No, they've got one important eye, one but then they have a bunch eye. of stocks. Yeah, no. I say yeah. The, the harvest beholder eyes. Or there's something else. Perfect. I don't really care, to be honest. But the point is, you could you could make that easily. Yeah. Huh. I like it. Future like campaign it idea. Future campaign yeah, idea. I would say, like, in, in your current world of Purin. Byron? Purin. Purin's good. Purin. Yeah, I knew that. It, 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 I don't feel like that would fit. Like, the world is not advanced enough to have the economy to support a magic item shop and the immense amount of money those things cost. Right. But we're even talking about doing time skips when it's less primitive. So, like, right. the next campaign... Maybe that's the start. Yeah. No, for sure. I could see that being a thing for sure. Um, I don't know. I was talking with Kyla the other day about like just it'd be really it's cool to think about like we might still be using the same world that I have in like six years. And obviously, you know, be completely changed because of things that your characters have done. And that's like a really cool idea to me. Yeah. And if that's the direction we want to go. Awesome. I want to see where that goes. And I also want to make sure that a flail snail comes along with it. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all I got for the flail snail. I say this like little stat block and two paragraphs of flavor ended up being a huge discussion. <laughs> wow. It's almost like when monsters have good flavor, you can yeah. just let your imagination run yeah. wild. That's a phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. suggestion. Also, the name's fun to say. Flail yeah. snail. Flail snail. Flail snail. Yes. Oh, yeah, we were talking about we should uh new trait of your role, all the beasts and everything like that. Just act like Pokemon saying their name. Oh, yeah. Such a great idea. Yeah. Flail snail. Flail snail. Just going along for <laughs> hours. Yeah. Flail snail. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> Flail.
Snail! 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 It's like an alarm. <laughs> like a car alarm, basically. Just yelling flail snail. What could that be? I think it's a flail <laughs> That'd be a silly way to make a random encounter while traveling. Yeah. Like you just walking along and start hearing flail snail. <laughs> uh, should we check that out? No, let's keep going immediately. <laughs> I wonder what it can be. I think I know what it is. Let's go. <laughs> All right. And with that, is there anything else you guys want to say? Nope. All right. Thanks for listening. Next time on Monsters and Multiclass. Join us next time as we discuss our first Artificer Multiclass, the Ranger Artificer. And then the biggest baddie of them all, the one that everybody knows about, but nobody actually fights unless their DM is a dick, the Tarask. Tarask.